This is episode nine of Hoops Forum, a joint effort of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and this week, while my usual co-host Randy Sherman is away on vacation, I'm joined by ESPN College basketball commentator Richie Schuler. Richie, thanks for waking up early and coming on the show. <laughs> yeah, man, you're stuck with me, and here in Los Angeles, it's 7 a.m. and the sun's barely coming out. Well, we're glad you woke up for us. Yeah, before we get started and before we get talking about what we want to talk about today, I want to thank our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're in the market for a team dealer, look no further than 323 Sports. Uniforms, team gear, spirit wear, sports equipment, they can do it all for your sports program. To find out more, visit 323sports.com or you can get in contact with a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports team. We've been waiting for these words for two years, but March Madness is here. And whether it's bracket challenges, upsets, game winners, it's all back and we're excited to have it a part of our lives again. That whole thing made me wonder this week, why does our audience, basketball coaches primarily, what's the main reason they enjoy the NCAA tournament? And so that was our poll of the week and uh, with could be expected, should be expected. Majority, 40% of them X's and O's. I know a lot of us still are watching our brackets. And then the final one there, watching my team for some of us. Uh, our teams aren't present this year. Richie, your primary reason for watching the NCAA tournament is what? When I saw that, I didn't know what to answer because I, it's kind of a culmination of all three. All I of love the above, yeah. yeah, we love the X and O's, but it wouldn't be singular in my team. It would be my teams because, you know, as well as I do, you have buddies on all, all these different staffs across the country. So you're kind of rooting for all of them in some capacity. So <laughs> I wouldn't know what to pick, man. Well, and talking about like the coaches that you know and that kind of thing, uh, let's talk about like coaches to watch for because if primarily most of us or a lot of us at least are watching for the X's and O's and that kind of begs the question, well, then who should we be paying attention to? And I think there's always like usual suspects. Um, but for those that don't know, Richie, his expertise calling the games over there on the west side of the country and for those of us here on the east coast, we are brave for the first 15 to 30 minutes and then our eyelids just can't handle it. We go to sleep. So a lot of good teams that we probably miss out on and some good coaches that we miss out on. Uh, so coaches, it doesn't have to be west coast teams, but Richie, some coaches potentially to watch for here in this tournament. I, I'm a huge fan, and, and maybe a lot of people have this answer, but you know, I covered Eric Musselman at Nevada for, I think, four years before he went to Arkansas. Uh, what I love about him is he has been a head coach for you know, seven professional teams, including the Warriors and Kings, and then some CBA teams. He was an international head coach on some national teams and did a bunch of stuff you know, with Adidas and things like that. You know, and then became before he became a head coach at uh, Nevada, he was an assistant coach at Arizona State and LSU. And and you talk to him about that, he'll tell you that it set the foundation for him to kind of create a plan and how he wanted to do it. And he felt like if he went straight to being a head coach, he would have failed. Uh, but he was an assistant. He humbled himself, and he went that way. And and I just love watching him practice. I would love watching their shoot arounds, the most organized shoot arounds I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm. Every single coach, every single manager, every single GA is on board. They're so in sync. They're together. They're energetic. They're efficient. It's just incredible. It's clockwork. And um, anyway, I love watching his teams. He is an incredible X and O mind. Uh, he's seen it all in every different level of basketball, you know, as far as professional and college. And uh, it's just I love watching him because these scouting reports are fantastic. Uh, They're so detailed on their scouting reports. So um, even if their X and O's aren't going, I know their defense is going to be tough and 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 uh, and very good. One that I have had the privilege of actually coaching against, not at the current school that he's at, Mike, Mike Young at Virginia Tech. If you want X's and O's and want 
whether it's out of bounds plays, his half court offenses are incredible. He's got a lot of those like moving parts. So you, you probably have to watch it with a DVR, you know, recording so that you can go back and, and see what's happening on both sides of the floor. But there's just so much to guard and it can be sometimes confusing for defenses and, and what he's done there at Virginia Tech so quickly. Um, that's one that I thought of. Some of you that watched maybe last night and I, I posted this on Twitter, but Robert Jones over at Nor- Norfolk State, I uh, had the opportunity to watch him two years ago at the Nike clinic at a Nike clinic here and their defense that they run. It's, it's almost like a morphing defense. It, it changes and it'll move. Um, sometimes it'll move from zone to man. Sometimes it's zone to a different zone. I think you saw even on like that last possession last night, we can talk about this. Don't have to talk about it long, but calling a timeout and allowing your team to get set versus kind of just going at it right away. I don't know how you feel about that, Richie. I personally think it's so much of it's dependent on obviously the situation, right? Yeah. But your team, I think only a head coach or a coaching staff really knows their team in certain moments. And, you know, we as critics, obviously, you know, not, not necessarily you and I, but just people on the outside, everybody likes to criticize, right? But nobody really knows what's going on inside that team, inside the huddle, what was discussed. Have they been in this position before? Do they mm-hmm. trust certain guys in certain situations? All those kind of things. So I just feel like it's a, it's a very much a, a, a an individual team decision. But, uh, you know, I personally think if there's time to let them go, go. And if I think that they're not going to – nothing's going to come to fruition out of it, okay, burn your time out. But, I, I, you know, that's how I feel about it. How do you feel? I'm primarily wanting to just let them play. But I do also understand I have been in a position where we've called the timeout. And I think it's also one of those things where if you've been through it before and it didn't work, then you're probably going to do it the opposite way. It doesn't matter what you what you believed beforehand. And uh, if it worked for you, then you're going to do it that exact same way again. But like you said, I mean, there's a lot of I've heard, you know, older, older teams, obviously, maybe letting them play younger teams. You have to call something out where the ball is, momentum, what league you're playing in, if they move the ball, where it's at on the floor. I mean, there's just a ton of factors. So and, and um, what has been going on during the course of that game? Right. right. Like as during that course of that game, have, have things worked? Have they not? Is their transition D so good that you need to burn one? You know, that kind of thing. Right. So instead of just coaches, but style of play, Richie, you've not just been a commentator, but also coached before. And it could be a style of play that you've played before, coached before, or something that you've seen now that you're liking or feeling like the game is moving towards, but a team and style of play that you enjoy this year. Yeah, I would say, and I'm and I'm kind of spoiled because I get to see them play all the time. Is Utah State uh, under head coach Craig Smith is a guy I love watching their team play. You know, growing up being from Cincinnati, Midwest, we were total three around two. Everybody, everybody at that time played the Bob Knight style because he was the big coach at the time in the area. And um, you look at Craig Smith; he's a Midwestern guy too, but he's gone into a four round one, doing a lot of the same stuff. It's a lot of motion offense, four round one. They're certainly inside and out. I mean, they are looking inside to their big fella down inside who does things really well, and he can kick out for shots when he uh, when he gets double teams. His name's Nemius Keda, seven footer. Uh, but they are uh, total motion based, just like Bobby Knight was when he was at Indiana. Uh, they're so good in the half court. I mean, you're talking back screens, down screens, flare screens, just a contrast of random movements and screens. Uh, they do use entries, uh, but then they go into sets after their motion, and they give their players freedom. They have a lot of high IQ guys, horns, drag ball screens, but they're also excellent in transition. So it's not like they're just a boring half-court team. I mean, they are getting out. They're getting layups in transition. They're getting threes. Uh, but they're so balanced, and guys have freedom, and it's an unselfish group. And 
if I were to get back in coaching again, I, I'd like to have a group just like theirs offensively. Uh, and then I'd even talk about defense, but they certainly switch that up quite a bit. And uh, they really get their defenders in rotation. So it's pretty it's pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching them play. I think for me, to no surprise, a lot has been made already about them, but Alabama and particularly what they do, but more of the drive-in space offense that Nate Oates brought with him. So I think a lot of people don't know Alabama, a great defensive team. I think they're third right now in the top wow. five, at least, efficiency. So both sides of the ball, if you're wa- watching for both sides of the ball and you haven't watched Alabama play, then check out Alabama. All right, this is the one that I think everybody enjoys, but talking about like best prediction or your prediction for an upset. Is there anything that sticks out to you here? You know, I uh, I didn't pick a lot of upsets this year. And, and you would think in, in a year like this, yeah. but I didn't. But the, the one that I did, um, and I got them going to the Sweet 16, is Syracuse. Hmm. Uh, the 11 seed. I have them beating San Diego State, and you know I cover San Diego State, so I hate I would hate to see that. And then I also had them have them beaten West Virginia in the second round. Those are my biggest upsets, and they're they're an eleven seed. And the reason I say that is I just uh, Bayheim seems to be pretty good in the in the in the conference in the uh, NCAA tournament, uh, but more so because it's just something you don't normally play against, as you know, when you're playing against very long, smart guys uh, who run this two three zone that. Hardly anybody in the country does game in and game out consistently. And Syracuse is excellent at it. Obviously, they've been doing it for like four decades. So mm-hmm. uh, they're really good. So when something that you don't have to – you don't really prepare for to that extent most times of the year, I think they're very, very dangerous. And and obviously, they're an excellent defensive rebounding team traditionally. So they get stops, they get rebounds, and then they score on the other end. I think they're very tough. The two that I had, one that you just mentioned, which apparently you didn't pick, but potentially Texas Tech over San Diego State – and then the other that that I think a lot of people are starting to get on a little bit more, but um, Winthrop over Villanova. Winthrop twenty three and one right now. Villanova with a couple guys, key guys have been hurt. I think they finished the season like three and three, so they kind of limped into the NCAA tournament, lost in the first round of the Big East tournament. You know, Winthrop a very fast paced team, deep team. They go about eleven players deep. Ironically enough, they ask us to play this year. And fortunately, we couldn't fit it into the schedule. <laughs> Looking back on it now, that, that would have been, yeah. would have enjoyed the guarantee money, but the massacre probably wouldn't have been worth it. Uh, the only <laughs> negative, the, the other negative with that game is the fact that I think it's going to tip somewhere after 10 o'clock and here on the East Coast. Like Those games just kill me. So I don't, I don't know if I can hand another, handle another late game, but um, those are the two, that, the two that I've primarily thought about. You know, when I first got out of coaching, my my first step into media was at Winthrop. I was their radio announcer, oh, uh, their analyst. I did not know that. Yeah. So I was there for Pat Kelsey's very first year. Yeah. So I'm okay. kind of Pat Kelsey. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, but they really have a good coach. Yeah. 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 And, but with, with the addition now on staff of Dave Davis, who came from yeah. Newberry before that Pfeiffer, they played that style. Yeah. And uh, now they're they're inserting a lot of that, which a lot of people didn't think you could do at the Division One level. But yeah. I don't think they're going full out Grinnell, but they are certainly playing fast and doing a little bit of full court press. Yeah, played against Coach Davis's Newberry teams. That wasn't fun either. So shout out to Coach Davis there. <laughs> uh, all right, next segment here we call Beyond the Scoreboard, and this is presented by Sideline Interactive. You may be wanting to increase your revenue for your sports program or improve the fan experience, or maybe it's just time to replace those really, really old scoreboards. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer of scoring tables and video display boards for high schools and colleges around the country. To find out more about Sideline Interactive, visit sidelineinteractive.com. We're going to bring in some plays here for, for people to look at. And 
Uh, the topic here is your all-time favorite March Madness moment. And again, for us, thinking primarily as coaches here about more of like X's and O's. Richie, I got you on tap first, so why don't you go ahead? I'll, I'll pull it up here for you. But your favorite all-time March Madness moment is what? Well, a lot of people have the same moment, but I, I, I love the Bryce Drew shot over Ole Miss back in 1998. You have to remember there wasn't as much parity back then. Upsets weren't as easy as they come by now. And of course, I lived. I went to school in Indiana, so it was cool to root for an Indiana team. I love this play. <clears throat> they drew this play up for Bryce Drew. It's something that they had practiced all year round. And a matter of fact, when they got to the timeout, the coaches told or the players told the coaches, "We need to run this play," hmm. and they called it Pacer. And that year, what they did is they they all of their late game situational stuff they named after NBA teams. So that taught me as a young coach how to how to distinguish plays in the minds of the players. Bryce Drew is the number two there at the top, and obviously you have the inbounder. I'm going to back it up just a little bit. The four was actually on the right block, and the five was on the left block. And what the four did was he went and set like a fake cross screen for the five, just as false movement, and then he sprinted to the top of the key where we start to play there, and he caught the ball in between the three-point line and half court. He's supposed to catch it you know, right above the three-point line if he can. Uh, but you just have to time that up and practice and make it work. They made it work in the game where the four man set that fake cross screen or uh, block the block screen, sprinted to the top of the key, caught it. And then I think but in this particular case, before he even landed, as Bryce Drew was kind of sprinting from half court down to the three-point line, he threw it in motion. And then Bryce just made an unbelievable shot while it was very well defended. Something else they do in this situation, too, is I believe, um, yeah, I believe Bryce Drew actually crossed half court as if he was going to come catch the ball. Yeah. And then when he started wheeling up to throw the pass from the inbound, that's when he sprinted down the sideline. And then the timing was just unbelievably perfect. I used that play maybe four or five times when I was a head coach. We got a couple good shots off, but we never made it. So uh, I can't say that it worked for me, but at least we got great shots off. Yeah, I think the two things that you mentioned are key with this is start with the four and the five on the block. That way you can get a running start and create separation. So as four and five start to come together, now you got the two defenders talking to each other and maybe that causes them to hesitate for half a second. And then that's when the four changes directions and sprints. And maybe you can create a little bit of space to get a little bit more open there. And then the other one, we've used this one a lot too, but like the two and the the one and the two there to make sure that they run towards the ball to, again, get your defender's momentum going towards the basketball, stop quickly, and then come back, and maybe that'll create some separation there as well. Um, obviously, good passer to throw the ball. I saw this work with the um, – I saw the Spurs do this when Tim Duncan was was there with them. Mm-hmm. They even brought him even higher. So if you have a hard time throwing that far, you're a little nervous about – your passer throwing that far, you could do the same thing by maybe bringing your four and your five up to the elbows and then having your two and three start at the half court line, run to the ball and then come back. So it's a shorter pass for your, for your four man there. So just some thoughts with that. Um, The other, the one that I picked, okay. uh, Some, some of my uh, North Carolina friends aren't going to be happy with this. Uh, This is the Villanova North Carolina play. This was a wild game. I don't know if, people remember with this but uh, Marcus Page I think hit a three like right before this and tied it back so it was like already just real wild Um, then Villanova set up this play again the idea with one there of kind of like creating space so don't just come to the ball but making sure that you're creating space off of your defender getting the ball in five if you watch the video one thing that I thought was interesting was they he didn't actually like go and find the body of one which I'm not sure if that was supposed to happen that way but just be careful of like the five being too close to your one man and not giving the defender those two steps and you end up 
offensive foul going the other way, that would have been a shame. But he almost kind of like just tripped them up. I know I don't think that was intentional, but he kind of tripped up X1. And then you had the ball being driven all the way to the opposite side. And the way that it's actually set up, if you go back and watch it, he has several reads off of it. But you have two there sprinting down the floor and then coming off of the down screen from four. So there was that option. He was quoted as saying like he had the option of actually drawing a foul and maybe going into contact, although there's a lot of bodies on that side of the floor. So I'm not really sure about that. It was interesting that he drove towards that side. I think he, he had kind of made up in his mind I was going to toss it back to Jenkins who shot it. I can't remember who it was. Yes. Probably had decided to throw it back because you have all that space on the opposite side of the floor that he could have potentially drawn to the back basket because it was tied. It wasn't like they needed a three. But then the principle of like the dribble handoff or the toss back because, you know, you drive – the help defender is underneath. You toss it back, and you have a guy stepping into a three-point shot. I think that's when you're talking about fast break shots. Those shots from the wings are almost better than the shots from the corners because a lot of times guys will shoot better stepping into a shot than they would if they were in the corners and catching it from the side and then having to step in. A lot of hmm. things working in their favor. Kind of some random thoughts. I don't know if you have any random thoughts with that play. Well, I'll say you're, you're right. This is probably the best play in March Madness history. To walk off three point shot. <laughs> sure. In the championship game. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree for sure. Everybody's dream, right? I mean, North Carolina State won on the dunk, uh, but this was a walk off three. It was just absolutely incredible. I about jumped out of the couch when I saw that. Yeah. Pretty wild. Uh, for those that are watching or listening on the replay, just to let you know, we're planning on, we did this this last week, if you, if you caught it here on the live stream, but we're planning on for the national championship game in just several weeks here. We're going to do a watch party. So we'd love to have you join in. Just kind of an opportunity to listen to the broadcast from a couple coaches' perspectives. So if you get tired of the broadcast or want a different view, we'll try to have some visuals and we'll incorporate plays. So you'll be able to see some of the X's and O's behind the two teams. A little bit of play before now and then. So I hope you enjoy the tournament. We appreciate all of you who, who joined us this week. For Richie Schuler, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Forum.